Hey creators, welcome to Minding Your Amygdala, the brain, body, and behavior podcast where you'll learn to awaken to your emotions, get informed about your biology, and motivated to use skills to improve your mental health. I'm your host, Dr. Lana, America's one and only trauma psychiatrist. Do you recognize the critical importance of emotions and mental health? Do you want to know more about how to self-recover from trauma? Do you want to better understand the updated science about how our brain and body shapes our behaviors? If you answered yes to any of these questions, then you're in the right place. This podcast is focused on making complex brain science simple and usable. You'll learn the six primitive brain systems predictably programmed by trauma and empathy skills practice, my unique methodology that can help you improve your own T, thoughts, emotions, and actions. I'm the skills over pills doc, but I'm also a mama three, a busy entrepreneur, and a human being trying to make it through multiple global pandemics just like you. Minding your amygdala will teach you transformative ways that you can approach your day-to-day life and I'll give you strategies to break free from the trauma cycle. All right, let's get started. Hey, hey, creators. Welcome to Minding Your Amygdala, a brain, body, and behavior podcast with me, Dr. Alana, trauma psychiatrist. I'm so glad that you're here with me today for this first episode of Minding Your Amygdala podcast. And I'd like to just tell you a little bit about me and my backstory and why you want to listen to me in the first place. So I am from St. Louis, Missouri, and I went to Xavier University of Louisiana, shouts out to HBCUs, and then I went to Baylor College of Medicine for medical school and residency. And I was truly living the dream. Um, I started off uh, definitely with some of the uh, typical challenges of uh, childhood growing up in the 80s, 90s, but I was always a really smart kid, like a straight A student, read everything uh, that I could get my hands on. (laughs) My mom used to call me 20 questions because I was always asking why, 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 why. And I wanted to be a doctor from fairly early in my life. Uh, I'm grateful that in medical school, I finally found psychiatry and I was really I'm excited about the idea of helping people with their thoughts and their emotions um, because it was the most interesting part of medicine to me. Um, No matter what the physical body condition was, I always found myself talking to the person uh, more deeply about what they were going through in their life and what was leading them to the choices that they made that manifested in physical illness. And when I finished residency, which is basically for, yeah, four years of on-the-job training, 
I got a job working with veterans and treating PTSD, anxiety, depression, personality disorders, um, substance use, and other, you know, related conditions. And I got so good at that over time that they asked me to become the uh, inpatient doc for a specialty unit for men. And eventually I ended up covering the women's unit too, where these veterans would come and get a year's worth of the best evidence-based trauma treatments in one month worth a whole year, whole year's worth of treatment in about a month. And my role in that program, in addition to diagnosing patients and explaining their diagnosis and helping to manage their medications, more often than not, um, backing people off of medications and really trying to help them understand why their brains were engaging in the symptoms that they struggled with. That was really uh, one of my main roles was to do my best to give them a good explanation of why they were having the experience they were having. And really even my academic medicine career, which was working with medical students, residents, and other medical trainees, even that was taken off. Um, I really had been having great success in my career and even in my family life, I was thriving and I was uh, married and raising a daughter and, you know, adding to my family. And I thought things were going pretty well. Um, but in August of 2014, something very traumatic happened to me. And it wasn't so much that it happened to me, but it happened to my world, I would say. Michael Brown Jr. was a young man from St. Louis who was killed in Ferguson, Missouri, in an interaction with a police officer that changed both of their lives and many other lives uh, forever. And that particular day, I remember really being shocked because those were streets I was familiar with. I grew up in that area. And also, I'd been a bit of a... <laughs> near juvenile delinquent in my youth, you know, folks got stories. I got stories. But uh, the reality was, is that I wasn't that different of a kid than how he was described to be. And I also, at the time, was married to a police officer and had lots of friends who were police officers and also lots of Michaels in my life. And um, so that whole situation was really moving for me. And it forced me to do some work surrounding the concept of empathy. Um, it forced me to do some major self-searching and listening to the world because uh, I really began to ask myself how have how did I miss or how did even I with the having been raised with a great awareness of uh, black culture and African-American culture and pride and history and you know even with 
the knowledge and awareness of racism. I really had been in somewhat of a lull, I guess, maybe thinking that we were making decent progress. And then I realized that my family is not safe. My friends were not safe. Uh, My husband, my children, uh, I was not safe in a world that still was struggling so much with such a primitive concept as racism. And I began listening deeply to how other people talked. And I started hearing the same trauma patterns and the same thought processes that I would identify in my patients, um, such as magnifying, catastrophizing, jumping to conclusions, extreme thinking. I would hear that in the news people on the television as they describe the same scenes with different inflammatory subjective labels. I would hear those patterns in, (laughs) I was diagnosing everybody at one point in my head and I was thinking to myself like either I'm crazy or everybody I talk to seems to have trauma which was not how I had been taught to think about trauma. That's not the conventional thought process about uh, in the Diagnostic Statistical Manual, the DSM-5, which is the book that we use to diagnose and to code conditions so that we can be using similar language for similar things. It taught us to think about trauma as something that had a imaginary bar. It has to be a qualifying trauma and has to be severe enough that the person has these uh, certain level of symptoms or realization of an experience as traumatic. And in the space that I was, as I began to listen to my colleagues and then my friends and my family (laughs) diagnosing trauma everywhere I looked, the last place that I happened to search was me. (laughs) And as I listened more and more to even myself, I began to hear those same trauma patterns, those same variations of thinking. And I began to recognize what it was doing to me internally. But as I studied myself, which was the, you know, truly the only thing I had full access to, I began to notice parts of my brain that were directly affected by trauma and thought processes and other ways that I could notice the impact that my own brain was having on my internal experience. And the more that I watched myself and other people, I began to reconsider what I had been taught to think about trauma because If everyone had or has had some type of psychological trauma as part of the human experience, then there's nothing to be ashamed of. In fact, it was encouraging to me because then it means that everyone is having a similar experience. 
and that we could take some of the stigma and the mystery out of the condition of psychological trauma. Now, this sent me on a spin. I spent the next year or so studying every article that I could find about trauma and the components of the brain that were affected. I read PET scans and MRIs. I read books, textbooks, all types of books um, to try and understand trauma enough that I could explain it to other people. And just as I was starting to get pretty darn good at it, I hit another wall. In 2017, I feel like my life crashed. I ran into health problems. My marriage hit a wall. I had to re-downsize my life. I went through a divorce. I went through a complete financial reset and a complete and total physical reset because I was even at a point at one time where I could barely walk. And it forced me out of clinical medicine, but I also knew that I would not ever be able to rest if I did not explain this information to other people. Um, It was truly one of those situations where God snatched me up, (laughs) set me down and was like, look here, ma'am, you need to put yourself first. Now, I'll tell you that for me, putting myself first is a pretty significant challenge. As a physician, you're trained to put so many other things before your own needs. I mean, <laughs> we are even taught to ignore our bodies and our bladders when we, uh, when we are taking care of patients all day. So I knew that I needed a change. I needed to be physically healthier. I needed a life where I could put myself first. I needed a life where I could exercise and meditate and drink water and (laughs) stretch and have time to think. But I also needed a life that was joyful and peaceful and authentic and that was of my making and of my creation. And I had to really do a super deep dive in myself as I recognized that there were a lot of traumatized beliefs and thought processes that were affecting my life, the choices that I made. But as I put it in perspective and I began talking to other psychiatrists, other mental health practitioners, other physicians, and other people who are very similar to myself, constantly looking for answers about the human brain and body and how our thoughts and feelings and mind works and spirit work. They did not have this information either. They were just as wild as I was as I began to talk about these primitive brain systems and explain it to them. And I've never heard so many people say, I never thought about it like that before. And to be honest, I'd never thought about it that way before either. It's not how it was taught to me in medical school, residency, and any of my other coursework. It was the product of discovery and challenging myself and being willing to step outside of what I've been taught and relook at 
things again with the scientific eye. So one of the most profound parts of what I came to understand was that trauma is not the boogeyman, the difficult thing to happen that most of us think that it is. Um, You don't have to go to war or be a victim of physical violence or gun violence or abuse and neglect to experience trauma. You can experience trauma through hearing things that happen to other people or learning about things that happen to other people or being exposed to things that happen to other people. You can inherit traumatic experiences and thought processes from your family and your ancestors, even to your into our DNA. But trauma is anything that is internally experienced as negative in a way that changes the way you think about yourself, other people, and the rest of the world. Once again, my definition of trauma is anything that happens that internally feels painful and causes you to change the way you think about yourself other people, and the world. And to that effect, understand that psychological trauma is not just what has happened to you. It's your body and your brain's programming that is changed by that experience so that your body and brain can manage this new thing that you're experiencing, whether it's a one-time experience or a repeated and even sometimes ongoing negative internal experience. So trauma is psychological most of the time, although sometimes our traumas come with physical representation and manifestations, like I may break my arm and experience whatever broke it as traumatic. Or you may not. Again, trauma is up to the what, what is traumatic is determined by the individual. There's no external bar. But that also means that we can traumatize ourselves. You can think thoughts and say things to yourself that are traumatizing, that your brain may have difficulty distinguishing whether that trauma is real or that trauma is something that you are creating with your own thought process and beliefs. So my epiphany was trauma is something that all of us share. It's not something that is only this person and that person. Everyone has run into these situations, in fact, many over time. And just because you don't know that you've experienced trauma doesn't mean that you haven't. In fact, many times I can look at people and I can tell just based on the world that we live in, Earth 2022, that this is this person is likely experienced trauma around these particular things and features of their life, whether it's poverty, their skin color, hair color, height, nose shape, body shape, so many things that we experience as traumatizing that are invalidating to our authentic self. So my challenge was, how do I get this information about these primitive brain systems and just how primitive human beings are out to the rest of the world. How do I get people to believe and understand that humans are running primarily on the input from our primitive brain and our invisible primitive impulses 
are controlling much of what we think of as what we feel inside of our advanced internal technology that is this body. Our challenge is that we know a lot about external technology, but our understanding of our internal human capabilities and technology is not kept up with our external understanding. The Human Genome Project, which uh, was a multi-institutional, multi-year project with um, hundreds, if not thousands, of scientists and researchers that helped to contribute to the decoding of the human genome. And the final results were released in the spring of 2003. And thankfully, I was in medical school or entering medical school around that time. So it was a big deal. And one of the key findings of that project was that human beings are 99.9% genetically the same. 99.9% genetically the same. That means out of 6 billion components of DNA, only 0.1% of those make the difference between me and you and any other human being on earth. What we think of as all these different races is actually incorrect. It's no different than when humans used to kill people for thinking that the earth was not the center of the universe. Now we know the sun is in the center of our solar system, but that the earth is not just uh, revolving around the sun, but the earth and the sun are all moving and spiraling around each other. That comes from new technology, new understanding, and new ways of of. Uh, updating the way we think about our world. But we still have to do that about ourselves, this human animal that we all ride in. I tell people that we are a three-part creature, animal, human, and spirit. And no matter who you are, where you live, or what era that you live in, you are made of those basic components, animal, human, and spirit. You have biology, that dictates your psychology and your psychology or your thoughts and emotions are what dictate how you determine your actions. So my challenge was, how do we create a program that activates the prefrontal cortex, the best part of the brain, the evolved part of the brain, the human CEO that can help us with attention and planning and looking at a short and a long-term goal and wrestling us to get there. So that's why I have this podcast. What I determined is that the best way to get this out to the world without truthfully burning myself out is to really be serious about retiring. So guess what? I ain't nobody's doctor, (laughs) but I'm willing to be everybody's doctor. Um, And that's actually why I began to call myself Dr. Lana, trauma psychiatrist. There is no field called trauma psychiatry. That is not an official subsection of the field of medicine that is psychiatry and mental health. Um, But that is because it is a huge gaping and really actually tragic um, missing component to how we're taught to formulate mental health and uh, emotional health challenges. So, you know, how how can I pull off 
um, something like helping everybody without <laughs> losing my dang on mind. Because I look at it like, well, we got almost 8 billion human creators in this world who are traumatized. And most of them don't know and don't understand that that's what's happening. So I have a pretty good, <laughs> I have a pretty good sense that I can get the attention of some of them through this podcast and other ways. And I do believe that the more that we learn about our body, our brain, and the more that we learn to watch ourselves, the healthier that we can become. And I truly just want to live in that world. I want to live in that space where all human beings understand their brain, their body, and how that manifests in their behavior. So this is my effort to keep my healthy boundaries and say, not only am I not doing house calls, but I don't want you to call me at all. But I do want you to send your questions to askdralana at gmail.com. And I'll help talk about that on this podcast and future episodes. So this will be an opportunity for you to learn empathy skills practice with me, which is my unique methodology for activating the prefrontal cortex and helping yourself to evolve the ability to wrestle your animal. Through this podcast, I hope to give you tools that you can use whenever you need them, wherever you need them. And so please like and subscribe to this podcast. And I'd love to hear from you. Please give us five stars and leave ratings and reviews so everybody can know how amazing this podcast is. Mining Your Amygdala, a brain, body, and behavior podcast is coming to you on Thursdays. So make sure that you turn in and get your good stuff today. So I'm Dr. Alana, the world's one and only trauma psychiatrist. Definitely not bragging on that because that is awful. But the good news is, is that you do not have to be a trauma psychiatrist to understand the six parts of your brain that are predictably programmed by trauma and the one part of your brain, your prefrontal cortex, that you can activate to get better and better and grow and grow in your ability to regulate yourself. So join the empathy evolution and hey, let's make empathy go viral. Let me help you learn to apply brain, body, and behavior-informed skills to your everyday life. So let's try, do, and be better 1% every day. I'm Dr. Lana, and that's all for now.